o kaiki hava e noia o miloli'i. Aloha kako e nahoa loha. I keiela e hua kaiana kako i kaaina o miloli'i. Aloha to everyone listening as we continue our journey on Kaleo Kauluau, learning about practices and traditions on Hawaii Island today. As Lei just mentioned in the Olalo Noeau or proverb honoring the Kupa'a people of Miloli'i, today's Huaka'i takes us to the traditional fishing community in Konahema. Aloha, Drew. Aloha, Lei. Mahalo keia hui ana akaua. It's great to be here today, and especially so since we have two meakipa to share about the traditional sustainable cultural practice that continues to be perpetuated today. Yes, our two meakipa, our guests, have a genealogical association with Miloli'i, a famous fishing village in Konahema, or South Kona, on the island of Hawaii. And they'll be sharing with us the practice of lawaia pono, sustainable fishing, that's a key feature of that relatively isolated yet celebrated coastal community. One of the two meakipa is our hoaloha, our dear friend, Ramona Uilani Naipo. Uilani is a lineal descendant of Miloli'i, and she's deeply involved in the process of protecting the traditional fishing practices and the lifestyle of that community, now and for generations to come. We know Uilani from the University of Hawaii, of which she's a graduate. We've gone on huakai to Koholawe with Uilani and have joined her at Pu'uhuluhulu at Mauna Awakea, where she lived for many months. Uilani and I are also part of Unukupukupu, a group of hula practitioners arising out of Hawaii Community College under the direction of Kumuhula Taupori Tangaro. And Ui has been part of the Halau Hula Akaunu with Kumu Manaikalani Kalua. So her experience in hula has helped to inform her research and her research methodologies that she's applied to the community of Miloli'i for the community's well-being. Ui serves as co-manager of the Miloli'i Community-Based Subsistence Fishing Area Project, together with Kaimi. Lei, would you mind introducing Kaimi to us? Hiki no. Kaimi Namai Lua Kaupiko is a keikioka aina of Miloli'i. As a child of the land, he grew up learning the traditional fishing practices there. For Kaimi, his foundation has always been built on education and culture. He grew up learning from his kupuna about the value of hard work and about the need to take care of this place. His early education was in Kona and he later attended UH Manoa and received a bachelor's in business and later an MBA from Wayland Baptist University. He also received a teaching certificate from Kahoiwai in secondary education. Kaimi has been working with Kuao Kala Public Charter School since 2012 as a volunteer for the online program called Hipu'u and as an online teacher since 2016. Kaimi's true passion is to help provide a space for future generations of his community and to the rural areas of Hawaii Island. For Kaimi, the work for the future is never-ending. He continues to put his resources towards those efforts. He knows that tomorrow will be better than today if we work together to help our communities thrive. Mm, mahalo, Ile. Let's go over to Kaimi and Uilani now. Aloha Kaimi and Uilani. We are so grateful to have you folks here today with us, um, willing to spend time with us and share um, a bit about the traditional cultural practice of um, Lovai Apono in the context of your beloved Miloli'i in South Kona. So mahalo nui for being here with us. Mahalo nui for having us. I'm glad to be here. Um, mahalo nui so much. I'm just so thankful to um, be here and share a little bit about myself and uh, about Miloli'i. Mahalo nui to both of you for joining us. And it's a pleasure to see you both again. 
it's really nice to meet you, Kaimi. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't seen you Ui, in so long, <laughs> and and it's the, and we're looking forward to what you're gonna share with us. So, e olu olu mai. Just to orient our audience, where is Miloli'i? Um, well, we usually when I share to people where um, you know when they want to come to Miloli'i, I always kind of stay in Konahema, so South Kona. You're coming from Kona about forty miles, and um, you'll see a sign on the highway that says Miloli'i five miles down. And um, you kind of take this um, right turn and it's a windy road. Um, it's not too bad now. It was really hard to, you know, because it's all, you know, the road was bust up. And um, at the end of the road, you'll come to our, the actual um, uh, our Ilia, where it's Miloli, where actually our Ohana, that is our Aina. So it's very, very special to us because we grew up there. We have a deep, deep connection to the place. But that whole area is called, considered Middle And that's how I would share. I think Mona has the other opposite direction coming right. from Hilo. Right. <laughs> so, you know, as a little girl, um, you know, living in Hilo, it used to take three hours to just get to the junction of Middle because we're talking about the old Volcano Road was yeah. the road, highway. That was the road. And then um, it took another 20 minutes to get down to the end of the road into Miloli'i. Yeah. Um, and and that's only if you knew the road really well that you could <laughs> go a little bit faster. But if you're a Malahini, <laughs> you would take, oh my God, you would take a, a good 40 minutes to get down. Um, so yeah, the, the road has wide, is widened and paved some, you know. Um, you still have to be cautious, but yeah, that's that's the track. Yeah. Can I ask what the like when you are in Miloli'i these days? What is the the feeling or the sense that you guys have of that particular place, that space, that community? Like maybe any intangible or tangible elements of that special landscape? I mean, yeah. I mean, just for me, there is such a sense of pride and just. Uh, connection that Pelina because um, we were we were raised by our two. T- well, I was definitely raised by my grandmother um, before she passed away, and that training was very embedded in in me of really appreciate and value everything. That's our family was very very influential in in our life because they knew how hard life was. So I still feel like that every day when I wake up because Mm -hmm. I know how hard my Ohana have worked to maintain ourselves and maintain that community to continue to still be together. But it's not like that today for a lot of the other, you know, for the general situation because the generations have changed, you know, definitely. So for me, I still personally feel like that. Um, but for the general community, yeah, they have kind of still have those connections, but they still don't have that like really uh, um, understanding because um, maybe never got that type of um, upbringing as, as what I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, it goes straight back to, you know, similarly, you know, Tutu was, she's the matriarch of the, yeah. the Ohana. Um, and so we all... We all went to Middle East for every long weekend, everybody's birthday, anybody's, anybody's birthday. birthday. Um, and every vacation um, holiday was spent in Middle Um We all had kuleana. Um, you knew where the men were going to be. You knew where the women were going to be. Um, and you know where the babies were going to be. Um, so that was our, our, we always went there. So when I go down there, I, I immediately, my hali aloha goes, you know, has to do with my tutu. Um, 
And even recognizing and looking out into the ocean, I can see all the, the activities that we had when we were growing up. So when I look at the aina, um, especially coming down into Milolii, I can see where I first learned how to swim, <laughs> where I used to pick opihi, where we used to, where all the uncles used to have their nets hanging, and you know it wasn't labeled. They didn't have, you know, you just knew whose family mm -hmm. nets were hanging and where they were. The va'a was all lined up. Um, and you go down towards the Ao Ao Pond, and it, you know, today, even though the Ao Ao Pond is not used in that sense, it has been transitioned to where the keiki mm. swim and still learn how to swim. And that you can keep an eye on them and in their close proximity. It's not very vulnerable to the open ocean. So there's a specific place, but all these places, and we're talking about only five feet away and then another five feet, there there are instances I can see the in, in my mind, I see all the different events that have happened. You know, even the boat ramp, I remember the boat ramp was like, and then today, you know, it, it's it's used a lot. But, you know, before it was like, okay, we used to swim in one spot and then get up and then we, we come to another spot. We play in the pond and then we see which fish are still there. And then we come up and we go by the boat ramp and we jump off a little bit. And then the uncles are coming in. Then we go over by the our, our pond and we would just go hop, 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 <laughs> hop. And then so, you know, when people, we, I would come back home into Hilo and people go, oh, you want to go to the beach? I was like, really? Really? <laughs> you know, it's like. It's a different experience because that's, you know, even going to a beach in Hilo, I always felt, well, I had to be invited to go because my mm -hmm. upbringing mm -hmm. was such in Miloli'i that anybody came, we're like, like even when I showed up, like, oh, this somebody, she came back. And so it's like a whole, you know, celebration among us kids of the yeah. same generation. And like, okay, then we go swimming and then we talk story, then we move down. And then if we want a person ate, we all ate, you know, we were all fed together and so forth. So yeah, it, it I take a look at, you know, I, I just drive down and I immediately hanumai and I was like, oh yeah, mm. grandma, I'm home, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah, those are. I was yeah. just going to add because um, we are a little bit, I'm a little bit younger, so by the time I'm around, there's a little bit more, I don't like to say modernized, because we still, we, we don't have electric, we don't have, you know, we got to catch our water from the water tank, so we very understand and, you know, really, um, you know, know the value of all these things, but, you know, they were starting to change, everybody got boats, and now the canoes were being put away, so all yeah. the nets weren't as, weren't as, um, um, there as it used to be because then everybody just had you know oh we make it easier for them yeah because times have changed back in the days that's the only way they would um go out and um uh fish would be on the, the canoes but um i think that's that same spirit resides in all the ohana mm -hmm. because that was the way that's how they provided for their family was through um fishing and being able to um, malama those areas that um that we still we still practice we still go and we still try to take care of today, especially for opelo fishing. Mm -hmm. See, by the time that he he was born, um, there were motors on the canoe mm -hmm. and yeah. already transitioning the to, shifting. to the the, the modern mm -hmm. boats. Um, from my time they as a kid, to. learning even learning, at that time was already changing. Yeah, yeah, it was starting to change. the The motors are already on. But see, I have memories of when the, the va'a were coming in, 
the kids role that was swimming in the area you carry you carry the um, yeah. what was it called the the lonas lonas and then you put it up so that they can slide it up and you get up. you get to grab it on the end and then of course you were given catch yeah but we didn't <laughs> want as kids because that meant we had to go home <laughs> and then you gotta stay home and we yeah. don't want to do that then the so, swimming. Like, so because our grandpa was also the um you know honorary mayor middle league they will automatically give him anyway yeah but mm. it was like no we don't no don't need, <laughs> better take this home and like no <laughs> yeah so um i i do remember when um Again, you know, one of the Hali Aloha is uh, being a little girl. And um, as, as Ava'a came up on shore, um, we would help. And we were so excited as little kids to grab the lona and, and um, put place that up on uh, in the area where the va'a was going to be brought up. And then as the va'a was moving up, you grabbed the lona from underneath. And as soon as it was free, then you moved it back up so that the, the va'a would, you know, be brought on shore. And, um, of course, um, it was a tradition to share the catch, even with the keiki. And us keiki, you know, helping that was just a fun process for us. Um, but then we would get catch, and then oftentimes we, we wouldn't want to do that. Because it meant you had to go take the catch home and then you had to stay home, <laughs> you know. And it was like, no, that's okay. Um, but then, you know, my 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 grandfather was the honorary mayor of Milolii. And so, um, and our hale was right across from the bay where the, the va'a came up. So they would, you know, drop off catch onto the, the wall. And, you know, my grandfather would yell at us anyway to come and get it and bring it into the house. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I finally remember. And, you know, that was my youth growing up. And I still see that vividly. Um, by the time my, my cousin was born, see, we're first cousins, but, you know, there's a huge generation gap, um, you know, in age, you know, that people think that, oh, that's my nephew. <laughs> but, um yeah, by the time you came along, cousin, you were already seeing vessels, yeah? Yeah, my dad boats. had a boat already. Um, grandpa, I never knew, I never saw grandpa or grandma's uh, canoe because I don't think they're already pal fishing already. Yeah. So we grew up and my dad loves to fish too because that's the the way of that whole our ohana was always that was the biggest thing that they did. So he learned so much different fishing pr practices, but um, when we were little, me and my brother, we, we would go with him and it was all day because, you know, at that time, I think the the change was already happening because they didn't, you know, it was took longer to get the fish, took longer to get things. But when my cousin was there, it was just, it was, the kupuna was so wise. They just, the, all the fishing grounds were full or plentiful. But when we were growing up, it was changing because everybody had boats. Everybody could get faster to these um, places that we were fishing. And I just remember, um, you know, just going with my dad and learning how to do these different things and then coming back and we we're using the ramp already at that time. And most of the canoes were moved off. And there was a few families that still used the um, va'a and um, and my grandparents were practically um, just kind of more at that time of their life where they was enjoying. So most of my um, training came from him and my uncles and all of us when we were little, we were just, you know, trying to um, still get, uh, uh, you know, learning about, you know, all these practices, learning how to dive, learning how to cross net. Um, my uncle was really good at knowing how to fix the open net. So he made um, uh, the throw nets and then the uh, opello, we had this big... Um, 
these bigger nets that were used because they, they took a couple people to, you know, when we go in um, Hanai, the dip net, it takes uh, a lot of work and time and patience because you're trying to make that opelo get in that net. And when we feed them all the polo, it's like a, really uh, just this, you know, trying to be focused and paying attention because you got to pay attention to the currents, the tides, you know, the time of the day, wherever you're going, the seasons are really critical. So basically what, what our kupuna have known was that when they were going to, you know, because Opelo was their main industry, was that they learned that it was just important to feed the Opelo just mostly vegetable chum, which was just pumpkin, oatmeal, taro, because that's yep. what they mainly had before, um, avocados and, and oatmeal on the oatmeal and you mix them and that was how we fed them. So it was very uh, balanced food. But when we started to mix it up with um, meat byproducts or, you know, fish, it cr it's which, which is called chop chop, that creates a disruption in the, in the um, uh, <clears throat> opelo um, cool. koas and causes predators to come in. And it really, it, it didn't really feel that it, um, it kind of almost broke some of these koas because that style would, you know, basically not um, raise them the right way. So a lot of these, um, us that we're doing that just basically made it harder for others that we're trying to do it sustainable. Mm. So we don't have um, that type of um, in our in our area, and there are people that do that, but they're not familiarly. So, you know, we're trying to educate them that this is going to cause more problems down the long road if you really want to create something for for lo for long lasting for the family. So it was um, it's still practiced not as much because we only have a few of these practitioners practitioners that still. You know, do this type of practice. Everybody likes to go deep sea fishing, you know, for the ahis, the tunas, all the flag fish. We still have some, a lot of our ohanas that love the reef fish. So there's all different practices we all do. We love to go on the rocks and pikopihi and aama. So, you know, we still do, but not as much as it was before. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, um, traditionally for our family, there was always um, the role of the wahine to do certain certain tasks in preparation for like a luau. Yeah. And so I remember as a, as a girl, again, you know, I look out at Lailoa yeah. and Lailoa is a distinct point for yeah. us. Um, I still call it the school. It's, you yeah. know, a point out by the school because there used to be a Miloli school, school down there mm. that um, our parents went to. And um, it's also, you know, when I look at it, I, I can see the vessel or, you know, at the time it was transitioning to even a boat coming around. But as soon as I saw um, a va'a coming around, one of us, Keiki, would yell no to already. grandma, like, oh, they're coming, they're coming. And that meant she would gather certain preparation things, you know, tools and whatnot. And us, Keiki, would go grab the um, um, the... The, lawn. the box. The oh, box oh, the ampakini. Um, um, no, the oh, no. box for the kind of vana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, we would be carrying that down. And then, you know, grandma would grab the spoon and the bowl and, and you know, the bottle that, you know, the OP was going to be clean and put in and whatnot. And they would go to a certain part of, yeah. of the, the area where you clean fish, you know. So everyone knows in the village what areas to clean fish and which one not. Mm -hmm. And we, where, you know, certain... Um, mm -hmm. Ceremony activities happen, so you stay away from that. So this brings to, a, you know, some of the narrative that we don't necessarily share to put into a state agency process of placing it to a document. Mm -hmm. That's to be kept 
with the, the ohana of Melolii. Um, so this is something that, that we, <clears throat> we all have to yeah. search our souls to decide whether this comes out of our, our, our family and then within the community, you have to take it to that level and say, well, do we share, you know, some of this narrative? And they're like, no, 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 keep it back. And so um, we've been doing a lot of work um, in the area of um, putting into, into place uh, protection for for our natural resources and for our aina kai. Um, and so there's a lot of components, um, a lot of moving parts, uh, a lot of soul searching as far as in, into the research and a lot of commitment. Um, and the commitment, you know, takes um, in different forms as an individual um, and then bring it into the family and then out into the community. Each step is... is is not taken lightly, um, you know, and and it, it's been quite a journey, and the journey will not end. So Milolii, um, our beloved Milolii, has um, moved into the process and, and taken the steps to, um, first of all, in what year was it? 2005. Five yeah, 2005, five. we received our CBSFA designation. So CBSFA is Community-Based Subsistence Fishing Area. Um, and from the actual, you know, 1994 of creating the definition within a, uh, Hawaii state rules, it, it, it put a placeholder so that communities could come forth and um, secure their their um, natural resources and designate their areas to be subsistence fishing areas. And so when, when we chose to do so, um, it was a natural process that because we're a fishing village, um, because we depend upon it, and because there have been years that, um, and it's a bit of arrogance that you have people that come to your village, don't introduce themselves, come in their large vessels, use our humble little ramp, um, access our resources, and go driving by at the end of the day, and we watch all that go on, and you know, um, that just goes opposed to how our traditional practices are, you know, in, in sharing what you catch, in introducing yourself and being, you know, waiting for an invitation to even come in. But, you know, my my grandparents always raised us that we would always share. Even with Malahini, um, grandpa used to be the one to to welcome everyone into the mm -hmm. village. And you had to sit down. You To, to my grandfather, nobody would turn him away or shut shut him down on, on sharing a story first. And then um, he would grab one of the family and say, hey, take them and go show them down by the school and introduce them, ho'olama them to the different areas of Melodi'i. So that was, you know, um, something we grew up with. But, you know, um, this community-based uh, subsistence fishing area and the rules and the, the different zones, you know, specifying whether Pu'uhonua was a natural progression of us, uh, of our families to um, to then, you know, I guess ho'olaha the rules so that visitors will be aware that, you know, coming to our area, you know, maybe it didn't say, well, you should really come and ask for permission, but it did put it out there that, hey, you know, if you're coming into this area, these are the kind of rules that you should, um, because the rules are coming from our families, that um, these promote Leviapona practices. And so that that's the gist and the intention of it, you know. 
Um, and it comes from us being natural um, practitioners uh, in support of our konohiki practices. So, um, yeah. Kalamai, yeah. could you explain a little bit about what a konohiki is? Oh, yeah. Um, I think literally it's a land manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, it's out on Kai. Um, so really, they, they have the kuleana to place roles. And they're looking and making sure that there is abundance and the community is fed. Mm-hmm. Not just their family or the whole community is fed. And so um, they, whoever supports or works for the konohiki will help. But really, all those traditional practices that we have today is absorbed from the konohiki practices that mm-hmm. is within our family line. And so our Levi-Apono practices or practices that are to be for fishing sustainably um, come from that foundation. Mm-hmm. And so going forward, I think there's a lot of um, modern day steps that the community has taken. So, you know, um, not only implementing a lot of outreach educational programs that, you know, mm-hmm. 11 years going strong is mm-hmm. a Ohana Lavaia camp. Yeah. Um, and then even more recently. Opelu uh, Project. Yeah, Opelu Project. And then Mohala na Konehiki. Yeah, you know, that's only um, a couple years old. Right. Uh, apprentices. So we have some of the community members um, being trained under Anakala Mac, Poi Poi from yep. Molokai. And, um, you know, to number one, retain those traditional practices and even elevating them to the point of maybe even sharing among the other apprentices the the practices they have in their uh, communities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, exactly what Mona said regarding the just is to create these love upon practices that we already practice. But because there's no really enforcement behind it, just by us telling them to respect, not everybody does that. So what happens is now we go through this administrative process through the Department of Land and Natural Resources that we're going to take all of what the community says, put it through their legal paperwork, and then come out with fishing rules that will now be enforced by the state. And eventually that is just adhering to what we have done for all these years um, as people that really, you know, take only what we need to feed our family. We understand the idea of the word sustainability truly and hopefully, and hopefully, you know, that this will make a big difference because, you know, by us just telling people, you know, hasn't really gone the way we wanted. Now it's going to be really backed by the state and really us leading the charge. So very exciting time for Milali. But the process included, um, number one, going to each uh, family uh, uh, of the yeah. area to get testimony. Um, testimony of, of the actual problems and the issues for which the rules are supposed to address. Um, and um, we even you know, had to present our approach, why certain areas were selected. Um, and right at that point is when we start delivering our, our narrative. You know, specifically why a particular zone is selected based upon our knowledge of how the Kona current and the Ka'u current are occurring at a certain location and what fish um, and what is the health of the coral ecology at that point, you know, at that area. So all of this knowledge starts coming into play um, and it's being shared. Um, So 
The process also includes then going out to different communities, anyone and everyone who may be coming to the area um, then has to be um, consulted for input. Um, and so you imagine 18 point, um, six miles, 18.6 miles. So we even had to send out notices to every landowner along the coastline. Mm -hmm. And then it became, oh, take it all the way up to the, the highway. So, you know, just recently we sent out over 500 mailers to everyone to, you know, rightfully so you get their input, you know. Um, and traditionally, even, even to today, we have some of our families who um, have property and they, they have kuleana, mauka, and then they also have homes, makai, and we still have that going mm -hmm. on. Um, and so we recognize those families. And if they, of course, they're, they go into our kai, they harvest, and we have families that go up mauka, they, they contribute to us mm -hmm. doing our chum um, and feeding the, the opelu. So that still happens. And so um, in the research that we, we conducted to make sure that we got input from all of the landowners, um, I would say, you know, a lot of them are Malahini. They're, they're not yeah. from the area um, until recently. You know, they just recently moved. But a lot of my research has been going back to the Mahele, identifying the family names. So going from Kipohoihoi all the way down to Manuka, um, identifying the family names and seeing if they still reside in the same area. Most of them not. And then we do have a lot of land area that is owned by the state, but we recognize them. Or right now we have some large landowners that are as far away as Canada and you know even brother in uh, Beverly Hills. Yeah, I mean <laughs> they're Hills, not from they're here. Home, yeah, I mean and they're they're held you know with the intent they were going to do resort development in there, yeah. and that's a different story and a different challenge yeah. that my um, you know my uncle has gone through. And so this is our struggle at this at this fa this time <laughs> um that's you know and so we take that that kuleana and that's what we have to do right now the other is um taking it to all the different fishers and asking for their input so a lot of them take a defense like oh you're trying to lock us out yeah. and i was like well brother um first of all you're coming into our icebox so that's a different kind of perspective but we see the way that this management plan is it's open to all fishers and so the, the Pu'uhonu are strategically placed that you can still fish the entire area. And it's open to all, all types of uh, fishing, sustainable fishing. Whether you're a commercial fisherman and you sell so that somebody else can buy it and, put, and feed their family, that's great. Um, or, or if you, you, you fish directly for your family to feed your family. And so th they, ha they have, um, and they can provide the input. But again, th even this is foreign to us because asking for people from around the island for input on our community and mm -hmm. what rules to put in place is really anoe to us, you know, and that's why I think our kupuna did not go through this process. Mm -hmm. yeah. They will pull our ear to think that we were jumping on calls for other, other communities asking for support. We can support them and we would do whatever we can for them to, to put in place their CBSFA. But when it comes to rules, they will pull our ear to say, oh, don't tell them what to do. You stay home and you malam on your own. Don't go down there and go fish in somebody else's um, koa. 
you get home. And we were always. And so this part of going to statewide scoping, statewide scoping is a process that the public can provide input and feedback. And they provide that feedback directly to a division of aquatic resources. It's a mandated process yeah. and we, we accepted that and we, you know, it it is what it is. Um, but we don't take a defense to it. That's not our agenda. So if people want to say, well, I want to come and fish in your area. And even though that's your prize fish and what, it doesn't matter. We don't take a defense to that. They can help hide their mana'o. We stand back and we, we're we still, we're not part-time traditional practitioners. You know, practitioners. We're not part-time. Um, this is our living and breathing, the part of our ohana, and we call that our, um, our kai kupuna. Um, that's our legacy that we're responsible for. And so, and now where we're at is um, all our posed um, zones and, um, and all our rules are being written into the language in preparation for going to a statewide uh, scoping. And from there, we go before the BLNR and present this. Um, and at that time, um, all the feedback is then prepared from all the ohana over the last oh at least uh 10 years yep. that we have documents of all the surveys and interviews yep 10 years yeah. including all the different scoping and outreach you've done to the different uh interest groups stakeholders mm -hmm. if you will and then um that gets wrapped up and presented and so um yeah that's pretty much a process yeah, yeah. and then after laboriously that and yeah, and right after that, it'll go to a public hearing, which will you give your support or not support, and then it'll go back to the board for final approval. And if it's approved, then it's signed, and the governor signs, and it becomes law. Mm -hmm. It sounds easy, but it's very long. <laughs> and it doesn't stop there. After yeah. that, then there is there is auditing that needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. And the auditing needs to prove that the rules are working, effective yeah. or not. And then you get a five-year review. But the audit is very important. It's the monitoring. So again, remember when I Where say that the, that our traditional practice is to do it three different interactive ways that, that customary to a Levita. But then you have the scientific way that needs to measure it. That yeah. scientific way needs to be there in your five-year audit. So if you imagine the data collection that needs to happen. It's immense. That funding to get that data collection happen is put onto the community. Mm. On our shoulders. So you either secure it by getting a funder to back that up or you, I mean. Yeah. But it's it's not really um, the, the state agency to fund that. So this is one the of, is one on of the, the things, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like even doing the, the mailers and, and all the outreach. That's oh, where I mean, you fund everything. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in COVID, so we can get away with doing this, um, you know, the Zoom link. And but you usually got to be in person. <laughs> it's all in person. And you can imagine. So, again, this is a traditional Hawaiian fishing village. Gotta to get to our artists. kupuna to come out of the village. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the whole, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's anoe to ours, but yeah, a struggle. But it is a revolving process, I think. Um, as next generation comes up, they too have to go through the process. It doesn't end with us trying to put these rules into place for protection, because along with it is the kuleana to carry the narrative. And the narrative, there's many parts of the narrative that is not 
ho'olaha and such shared out. And, um, but the ohana must know uh, and transfer that knowledge and that narrative down to the next generation. So that's the process we're going through now. And it's a process that, you know, like I mentioned, um, parts of it is being shared because it's a must for going through the formal process of putting in these rules. We have to, um, you know, in one sentence, it's a way to codify our traditional practices. And even in that simple sentence, it's a heavy one if you realize that, wow, you have to share enough of your traditional practices just to justify why these rules and protection needs to be put mm -hmm. in place. Um, our kupuna and, you know, many as, you know, two generations ago would never choose to share that, nor would they um, expect anyone to um, need to know the rules uh, of the aina because you need to be of the place. Um, and you, you didn't necessarily have a lot of people coming into your icebox or in your aina yeah. without introducing themselves, without having the, the invitation to do so. So um, it's a big step. It's a big step. And I don't think our kupuna would have taken that. So I think it's the, I think spiritually uh, our current generation was called upon to come forth and make that actual move. And so that's where we're at right now. Don't you believe that, cousin? Yes. I, um, you know, at this current moment where we're at, um, you know, it's been our, our mission in the village to really perpetuate and preserve our traditional fishing practices. Mm -hmm. Middle East, as you know, is very well known as one of these last Hawaiian communities that live sustainable through these practices that have sustained us for generations. So we're talking about opilo, we're talking about the different types of um, cross net, throw net, the different types of um, places that we go to um, take care of Hanai, the koas. And um, two generations ago, our kupuna is all, it's very kept in the family. But because of what we have seen and Ohana have woken up that a lot of these resources are, are being um, depleted and um, they're really concerned. And this is why we created this proposal, which is called the Middle East Community-Based Subsistence Fishing Area, which really honors and adheres to those cultural practices, those traditional practices, the religious practices that have um, made us who we are. And it has um, been our mission to really honor to honor our kupuna through these um, proposals that is not of our our, our practice our culture, but it goes within a combination of working with the state and the Department of Land and Natural Resources to hopefully make a space and a table for us as a kanaka to be in control of our, our future and our destiny. So an example was, you know, the, the state uh, is thinking of upgrading a park. And when mm. they did that, um, they, did a, they did a drawing and they put, they put the bathroom yeah. facing the ocean like Loa and was like no even though I don't have to worry about that view that's still a practice that happens when we see somebody coming around and my brother can my brother in grandma's house he lives in grandma's house and he can look out mm -hmm. and he can see how heavy the load is on the vessel because he knows every boat in, in, in the village. He can tell him how, how heavy the load is. He goes, oh, yes, so it's always running heavy right now. He's kind of <laughs> early in today. I mean, that's the kind of kilo that we can observe and we still, we still do. And to block that view 
um, if we were walking out, means that you you disrupt that practice. Mm-hmm. And it's a customary one based on traditional practice. Mm-hmm. And so it may seem minute. It may seem that to someone who's in a who lives in Hilo, has an office in Hilo, but has a kulana or, or the, the title and the responsibility to put in place a, a new draft of a park that meets standards, the customary part is often a, a part that they don't, they're not familiar with and there. they need to pay attention, you know. Um, and so that part did get changed, right, cousin, in the proposal, I hope. Placing that bathroom. Oh, right yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I yeah. mean, when yeah, I think um, the upgrades to the park, um, they did go to what the community wishes to, to make it more, um, uh, you know, what the Ohana wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's always a big thing. I think that still exists. Our family very... Uh, we'll very, very speak out, you know, when anything happens, because we very want to keep Minoli, Minoli, you mm-hmm. know, that's going to still be every part of who we are. And when we have these major upgrades to the park and when you like take our rubbish place away, I mean, there's things that um, we have been very, very vocal and um, this conversation today, Palavaya practices and then you know what we're doing to preserve them is like right there at the top and i think so much of our family have now come to terms that we got to do something the kuleana is now on our shoulders so this generation um with with me and um, mona you know coming to help is so important that we carry and we bring this forth and 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 try to really see you know you know can we get to a place where we can be able to really see that we're going to turn the tides back to how um, the place was so full. The Aina was Momona with all the stuff from the Kai. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that we're in this this important time right now that we want to share about. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, I think, hopefully more communities will be able to 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 get on board and be able to malama their places if this is the mechanism that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And with the spirit of that, you know, it also was maintaining Konohiki, implied that, you know, we could we could put forth Konohiki um, traditional practices. And today it's what we would call codifying, you know, Konohiki practices and placing rules and say, you know, lahui ia kapakukui, meaning that I'm placing a couple on the pakukui. You know, this is what the the Konohiki would, would have done. And for us, we take this um, very seriously because um, in our own family um, and in my research, I'm able to trace our great-great-great-grandfather, um, Kalua Ihalava, who yeah. lived in Kapua. And um, he was an ali'i who supported and and worked for the Konohiki of Honomalino. So he writes in in the Hawaiian newspapers in 1862, and I tracked this down in 1862, he actually writes, he says, you know, hey, lava'i, so telling all the lava'i that I uh, don't forget, this is all, you know, ko'a for the konohiki. So if you come into these, and he actually names the ko'as, mm-hmm. two of them. And he says, if you come in here, don't forget, you're to bring it here. And then the konohiki will disperse it, which is still in our customary practice. Whatever we catch, all the lava'i and the ohana of Miloli'i, when they go out and they catch, they bring in and they give. Mm-hmm. Kupuna first, always. And then 
they feed their families and anything extra they always give. And so um, mm-hmm. it's a customary practice today. Even if you visit and you you come, you um, you actually will um, leave with a memory and with my eye. And hopefully it's opelu if the season is available and you know open season. That's what it's will right happen. now. <laughs> yeah. So um, these are all the families who kupuna lived in the time of konohiki practices. They absorbed all the kuleana of how to hanai opelu, hanai, you know, and malama, the different koa, so that today that's part of lavaya pono practice, and that's all they know. Yeah. And so it's very easy for us to transition to codify these rules on one side. There's still the spiritual side, and there's still... Um, the mana'o of how much of the narrative do we mm-hmm. share out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, so the, yeah, that's, that's the tricky part. But, you know, there's still some, you know, some, some struggles we go through in, in this process. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just wanted to add what, um, what you said, because when we, we started this process, you know, um, we, have a lot of there's a lot of other rules that are ready are for West Hawaii because West Hawaii is a very well known fishing ground. There's a lot of different types of fishing we have, but a lot of different types of users too. Mm-hmm. So we got to deal with a lot of different um, people coming down to our community. And traditionally, you don't go to anybody's place. You got to malama your own area, and that's definitely still practiced in Middle East. So you know, a lot of our kupuna, a lot of our uncles and aunties that still live together today, that still live today, they really win, you know, help us put this practice together, create the spaces. So all the, the our um, proposal is 18.6 miles of coastline from uh, right past where we live up in Kipuhoihoi, going all the way down past Monica, going to Kauna. And that's kind of like right in our Kau area where... <laughs> Um, we were sharing that, you know, some of the ohana, but they don't go and practice as much. But we still got to go in Malama. We still got to feed those koas. We still got to take care of them. So it was really a part of what our, our mission was to really make sure that we was looking at this whole place and trying to understand, you know, what is happening. And because our our ohana, we're, you know... Science is definitely part of who we are, mm-hmm. you know. That's why For sometimes sure. you try to look at the state and they're telling you they know, but really... It's, you know, it's not like that. We definitely have a deeper connection and we understand our place more. And that's why this is so important to put this forward because this really acknowledges that. It really puts that as the forefront because all these other scientific data or data that the state is doing has no real onus or really have any substance because it, it really talks about the Kanaka, the testimony, the Ohana, the community. So it's so important. So Pushing it forward, where we at at this particular stage is really trying to make sure we answer all the questions that the the state has. All the different people outside Middle East now is giving us comments. That's this point in time, and we're trying to answer them. And I think we have done a really good job mm-hmm. getting through all of them, and now ready to go to the um, the board, which is the Land and Natural Resources um, Board, which makes the decision to to give us this opportunity to adapt our rules through this process called Chapter 91. There's a few little hiccups here and there. You know, we got to work with the Department of um, Division of Aquatic Resources, which is the managers of all the rules and stuff like that. And then the DOCARE, which is the enforcers. So all these moving parts. But um, where we have um, done all the work, we have 
partnered with many organizations. That's been really critical. Mm-hmm. And then we have fundraised all this money. And then we have educated our own ohana to be able to go out there and become um, citizen scientists by learning all these techniques through the Konohiki uh, way. So there's so much things that, you know, I can share longer than this um, podcast because that is how much work it takes to get to where we're at. And this part where we're at is now making sure we can get all these um this thing to the end and work with the state to make sure it happens. And that's where we're we're really at. And and Mona has been such a big help making sure that they understand and that we really coop up because we don't want to compromise anything because this is what our Ohana said. And that has been the challenge because they have their own vision and we have our own vision. So we're kind of, um, I think we got into a good place with Mm -hmm. that. Definitely. And our commitment um, by the community of Middle to, um, put in place all these um, rules really has been a working and and we've been doing this for over 11 years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's Lavaia Ohana, Lavaia Camp. Yeah, Lavaia Ohana Camp. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. With the narrative that when we feed knowledge to the keiki and the keiki and the hana is that when they learn how to feed our koa, the koa is nurtured and the opelu will in turn feed our, our community. Mm-hmm. And so that that recursive yeah. um, action happens. And when they take that home and they can bring that lesson home to, even if they don't live in Mililii, they can take that lesson home and carry that. That's a gift from Mililii. That's the yes. hali aloha yeah. and that's yes. the lesson that comes yeah. from us. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. You just said that I was thinking of our, our Olelo no Eao that we um, have been using. And it's about um, learning from the um, kupuna to help us today and perpetuate all of the practices so we can preserve for the future. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of has gone into into this whole process and that we're going through. And we want to make sure that we do our very best because, we you know, our kupuna only expected the best. Mm-hmm. And I feel that um, with what we have done, we have talked to a lot of ohanas all around the island. They all have thrown in their support. They really, you know, understand where we're coming from. They understand how we, you know, are going to take care and and hopefully be able to see that, re- that return. So, um, you know, where we are at right now is at a place that we feel very um, confident that, we're going to be able to get through the door and be able to um, really see us go back to the ways of our, our ohana and our kupuna that have done this for generations. Oh, mahalo nui. Um, if there's one thing that you could share with other Hawaiian communities elsewhere who are in the in the archipelago, who are interested in protecting their resources, that you folks have learned from this process that you've been involved in for you know so many years, what what would you, what advice would you give to those folks who want to have control over their their the resource base of the their lands? Could be a fishing village or, or another type of community. I think the, uh, one of the the most important part and which is foundational for us moving through this difficult process was um, cohesion between the ohana. And when I say ohana, is ohana of of the place. You know, there's a distinction. Um, because, you know, like I mentioned before, is individually and then within the family, they bring it out to the community. The narrative is very important and it's supported by what, you know, um, 
the foundational grounding and and the history of your family um, is, is first of all makes you who you are, um, but it speaks to what is most valued in 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 the community. So it's very important that. Um, there is that conversation between the community um, as you, cause you have to move forward as a community. Um, we, we have, mm -hmm. we've watched um, some other, another community, it breaks our heart that there was, um, there was uki-uki between the ohana of, of that one particular community. And you really have to move forward in, in together. That is such a difficult process that it's, it's not a good thing to come out and, and go through this process when you're not even on board at, at on the same page mm -hmm. and and can move forward. You can't do that. And you know, hila hila, if you do that in front of the the, the lehu lehu, you don't want to do that. And so um, yeah, that was the one important thing. You know, people kept on telling us, oh, you know, you, you think everybody believes you should be doing that? Or you think everybody, be like, yes, we confidently say yes. So Kaimi and our other cousin, Lila, went door to door to every family in the, in, in the village. But we do regular um, community meetings. And the thing is, I don't think people understand that even in, in Mililii, it's very much conducted like a kauhale because mm -hmm. the, 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 the housing development that everybody lives in, the families still operate as if we live in a kauhale. It means that a meeting of the minds between all the ohana still happens at the halal down at our school. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when everything is aired out. Our kupuna still, even the older generation, still doesn't know how to use text very well. <laughs> so there's no calling people out on Facebook, calling people out on text and whatnot. It's a face-to-face -face kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so those discussions happen before the, the, the community moves forward on any kind of agenda, yeah. like upgrades to a park that, you know, the state mm -hmm. wants to do, or the county wants to do, or in such like this. Um, that has to happen first. That conversation needs to happen with your family. Then it needs to happen with mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. And then your commitment to move forward to the process is, is purely, you know, like money and the time and working with agencies. But spiritually, you got to be so grounded and confident to walk through that what you're standing for and what you're working for is um, something they can wholeheartedly support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I definitely um, regarding, you know, having that cohesion. I also want to share like a lot of times, you know, not everybody get along yeah, in the ohana and there has <laughs> to be some type of compromise. Um, so it's really critical, you know, for others who go through this process, it's really important to agree to also disagree. But we want to all move forward in that va'a. We're all going to that same goal, that so, the same destination. So like like any community, Mililii had its runs through some of these differences. But at the end, because we all knew what our goal was, we mm -hmm. all knew we want to make our community better. We want to take care of this place. 
they all was able to understand the bigger picture. And that was important. And then my other advice would be really to continue to practice these traditions. These things are really not as evident as we see. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. And we want to make sure that, you know, for those other communities that are displaced or not living where, um, lucky for us, we live on the resource, you know, you can still go back because there's still, it's still there. The place is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I I can only imagine when they go back, the place can talk to them and mm-hmm. it talks to us. It talks to us every time we go there. I mean, I want to love it so much that I always have this real ha ha humbleness mm-hmm. every day. And I always try to, because I'm a Kumu as well, to make sure our kids also have that pride. Mm-hmm. It's not about... You know, um, the people, it's about the place that really makes us who we are. So, you know, the place is going to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Mahalo. Definitely. Mahalo. That's beautiful. Mahalo Nui for sharing. We really appreciate you coming and sharing with us the, the mo'olalo of your ohana, the mo'olalo of your community. Thank you. And the work, the very important work that you guys are doing as a community to ensure that these practices carry on and that these resources are still there. And I can't imagine all the the stuff you're going through. But like you mentioned, being kupa'a with your whole community as as an ohana, as a village. And it really does take a village mm-hmm. to, to get through. Child. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> mahalo nui. Mm. Yeah, no, what, what you folks have shared is really inspiring, inspiring to us. And I'm sure our listeners and other communities on this island and beyond. And um, we, we mahalo you folks for, for taking the time to share mm-hmm. these details with us. Um, that speak to tradition and sustainability and ohana and aina and kai, right? Um, so mahalo nui, you've inspired us very much and um, we wish you the best. You have our support as you move through this really important process. Oh, mahalo. thank you. Mahalo nui for having mahalo. us. <laughs> mahalo nui to our two meakipa, Kaimi Kaupiko and Ramona Uilani Naipo. We learned a great deal about the ongoing monumental efforts to secure traditional resources and support the perpetuation of those unique lifeways of Milolii. It's truly inspiring. Yes, it takes a village to do the work and Milolii is standing together to ensure the abundance of the past continues for future generations. In the meantime, you can check out our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash as well as on Facebook and Instagram for more information and to learn more about what's going on. We are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Until next time, Abuiho. Aloha. Aloha.